0: Welcome along to episode 170 of the Boys of Tech, New Zealand's longest running tech podcast. This one is for the week beginning Monday the 11th of June 2012 and my name is Edwin Herman. Joining me over Skype on his brand new Microsoft LifeChat Alex 3000 headset is Ben Sunko. Welcome to the show Ben.
1: Thanks, Ed. No, there's no need to publicize that it's a Microsoft headset. <laughs> it just happened to be the cheapest one that would do the job.
0: Mate, you, honestly, you sound very good. In fact, I, it's almost like you're sitting right in front of me. Really Maybe
1: is. I am. It's a conspiracy.
0: Now you're scaring me. Let me just check behind the curtains. No, you're not there. Fine. No, no, not that. The other side. <laughs> oh, man. this is. You're sounding really good. I'm, I'm really pleased you, you've got a really good headset, and I, I think our listeners will be happy too. Yes. Okay, so let's just look ahead at some of the stories we'll cover in this week's episode. The Flame malware involves a breakthrough in cryptographic techniques. The MPAA is apparently okay with releasing legitimate mega-upload files back to their customers. And a US study shows that enhanced ebooks can distract children from its core content. This and more, but let's kick off with the Flame malware. Now, we covered this a while ago. This is the piece of malware that apparently is... Believed to have been sanctioned by a government of some sort because it targeted a whole bunch of Middle Eastern countries. Now, what's interesting about this is that they've analyzed, or at least partially analyzed, the algorithm and how it does what it does, and it involves some pretty impressive breakthrough cryptographic algorithms, stuff that hasn't been done before.
1: You do wonder if the underground sort of crypto. Uh- <laughs> the underground encryption community is just as advanced as the corporate community, but obviously none of their findings would be advertised externally to the group.
0: Well, I mean, that's the thing. A lot of it is, you know, you don't know what you don't see.
1: Yeah, or, yeah. And obviously, you know, what you don't hear you about. Know, you've, you've got the one side that's working on the encryption then you've got the other side that's working on the decryption or the cracking of it. The two aren't going to be sharing a lot of information.
0: No, no, totally. But I think this one here is particularly interesting because it is i have to say believed to be here because we don't know it hasn't been confirmed but it's believed to be sanctioned by a government which to me puts this in a whole different category of of your traditional sort of hacker type stuff you know <laughs> your 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 stuff that people do for for the traditional reasons which is money
1: well it's probably more the fact that it's got out than the fact that it's been sponsored or sanctioned by a government. I'd say this this sort of stuff would be happening every single day. It's just none of it would be making it out into the public. From governments, do you think? I'd say the governments would be the biggest investors in this sort of technology. They're the ones that have got the most to benefit from this. Um, yeah, I mean, I, Iran, Iran's being attacked at an electronic level just as strongly as it's being attacked at a political level.
0: Yeah, well that, yeah, I know. And, and the thing is, I, I don't know. I They never seem to say which governments are behind this. But but I think, and I mentioned this on the, on last week's show. I, I think they're hinting at, at the fact that it's the US.
1: Yeah, I mean the biggest ones that I always hear are the US um, working with Israel. Israel has a vested interest in attacking a lot of these nations over there and mm. destabilizing the the um, you know the whole. The whole area, and for whatever reason, the US seems to be playing a part in that. So it's it's hard to know, is that? I mean, you're never going to find out who it is. It could even be splinter groups within these governments.
0: Well, Um, yeah, that's true.
1: I mean, they could be splintered to the point that they're not even a part of them. But you just we're never going to find out.
0: The Uh, the thing is, though, you have to remember that this particular uh, attack really just gets information. It's a espionage tool. It's not about you know trying to sell some enhancement pills or trying to get you to spend some money to, to disinfect a computer that really isn't infected in the first place. There's no direct, uh, if, if you like, money-making scheme out of this. This is all about espionage. And that's, I guess, why, or one of the reasons that people suspect this is very much a government thing and not, a, not your traditional malware sort of attack. But anyway, part of the algorithm in the malware involves MD5 collisions. Now, it do you know trying to generate MD5 collisions? Then that, that's where you know you've got two different sources that uh, produce the same MD5 hash. That's actually really, really difficult. Now there is there are a number of techniques that have been that are known and you know are, are, have been well published. Uh, one of which is the chosen prefix method, and it appears to be the case that in this particular piece of malware, they've used a variant of that, but not the known published uh, chosen prefix collision attack that is, you know, that that's already out there. Kaspersky, who have analysed this, seem to think that this is something different and as yet unknown. So something, some, you know, the result of new research into this area, or at least, if anything, at least unpublished research.
1: Mm, you almost wonder if there's little black universities out there that that are doing education courses and doing their own research.
0: Yeah, well, you know, it's, you you got to wonder because mm. how are these, you know, how are these people being recruited, and do they? The, the other thing is, do they? Are they given the full story? I mean, let's say it is a government sponsored thing, right? Do you think the government would actually say, hey guys, we're going to hack the Middle East, so you guys please keep this quiet, but here's what I want you to do. I can't imagine they would do that. I, I think they would be sort of telling a, a white lie, you know, the whole smoke and mirrors thing and getting the, science, the, the researchers and scientists to, and the mathematicians to come up with the algorithms they need, but under the guise of something else.
1: Well, that's certainly an easier way of keeping people quiet because they can't talk about something they don't know about.
0: Yeah, well, exactly. And probably also people have less of an ethical dilemma as well. Yeah, it yeah. removes
1: the ethical dilemma if you don't know what you're being yeah. unethical about. Yeah,
0: exactly. Exactly, mm. or whether you are at all in being unethical because yeah. you don't know. Yeah, you it, yeah. probably think you're doing a good thing. Yeah, exactly. Out. Yeah. So that's an interesting one. That one, and that you know, to me, this this whole story it's it's like the whole Stuxnet thing as well. That was I've read a lot about that, and it's just an amazing read. Anyway, let's not get onto Stuxnet because that's been and gone. Now, the MPAA, would you believe it? They're not the monsters that some people seem to think they are. <laughs> Apparently the MPAA, although you're scoffing, I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like,
1: let's let's not be
0: too, you know, drastic about letting yeah, them off the hook. But, you know, it's interesting because they are okay. you know, They've made a statement that, look, they're okay with returning legitimate files on Mega Upload back to the original owners so that they can, uh, you know, yeah. do what they need to do. Yeah. So that's it, reasonable.
1: It, yes, it's it sounds reasonable, doesn't it? But they also have a rating system that is not compulsory. You don't have to get your movie rated, but if you don't get it rated, you won't get it shown in the theaters. So it's a bit of a catch twenty two. If if you want to make a movie that can potentially make money because it has a wide release in the in the cinemas, then you have to get it rated. So it's sort of a catch between two. And this is the same thing. They said, look, we're gonna be all nice and friendly and we'll release any legitimate files that we find on our system. We just don't think we can actually identify whether a file is legitimate or not, so it's like yes they're going to they're going to release all the legitimate files they just won't actually find any legitimate files to release, so it sounds great, but they potentially won't do anything
0: yeah you're right actually, and they have admitted it's very difficult to figure out with so many files what's legitimate and what is not
1: yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if they you know you know, you can have your files checked for the small fee and we'll we'll sort that, you know, we'll facilitate that for you. Or when they start doing something, then then it's great. But while they're talking about it, I, I just don't believe a word they say.
0: It's just spin. <laughs> well, I can see why you feel that way because the MPAA don't exactly have the best reputation either. So, uh, yeah, I, I can see where you're coming from. I'm, you know... I, Perhaps I'm just you're naive. but... You
1: live in La La, lovely land.
0: <laughs> I'm, <all laughs> way- I'm happy what- there, though. It's a lovely <laughs> place to be. <laughs> it is. You should come yeah. over sometime.
1: <laughs> yeah, I do every now and again, but, you know. Well, I'm us going get asked to leave.
0: <laughs> look, let's wait and see, anyway, because, look, I do agree with, in principle, what you're saying. Actions are louder than words. So let's see whether this turns into actions that actually, you know, address what they're saying they will do or what they, they're okay if- with.
1: If they do what they're saying they'll do, I'll admit, hey, good on you, you're making you know you've said something, you're followed up, you're starting to be honest, but yeah, until they do that it's just it's just but, no, but remember
0: it. they're not the ones in custody of these files. It's not them who have it, they're just saying we're okay, and we're not going to you know uh, oppose the release. that's all they're saying that's the it's the you know the 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 u s feds who who are in custody of the information, so it's not like the m p a a can release them. They're just saying they're not going to oppose anything so long as it's legit.
1: It does appear that the MPPA, the MPAA are the ones that are driving all of this. If they said, yeah, we don't mind, I imagine the whole thing would go away. Like, it's it's all well and good that it's the US government, it's the, you know, whatever department of the, um, the government that's responsible for this, but at the end of the day, it's the MPAA that's driving it. They're the ones that have got all the power. They're the ones that will have initiated the, you know basically the illegal arrest of the guy in New Zealand.
0: Well, actually, that's another the, the other side to it. Uh, you may remember, I think, was it 17 servers were seized by New Zealand police. What was interesting too is what came out of that was that the FBI made copies of the data and there's a dispute as to the legality of that because the people on one side of the fence here are saying that it was illegal for the FBI to seize information and take it with them back to the States, which is what they did. The FBI's defense is that what they took was information, not physical items, and therefore the rules don't cover Um, that. So,
1: so so every every movie that you know I've heard that some people download, they haven't taken the physical movie, so it's okay. (laughs) Well, that's actually
0: a very interesting argument, argument. isn't
1: it? I mean, that's essentially what they've said.
0: Well, Uh, hang on, you got to. But to be fair, Ben, you got to remember these are different rules. What what you're talking about, of course, is copyright, and this is about the rules of uh, you know. The engagement under which the the police uh, are doing their seizures on, and, and that's perhaps slightly different. They might be right. I don't know, but uh, it's uh, w- what what is interesting is that the FBI actually took them without going through an official process.
1: Well, it sounds like the whole thing didn't really well, yeah, go through yeah, the official processes.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, or at least aspects of it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Otherwise, right he
1: wouldn't be in the country right now, and yeah. Well, it's yeah. going to be another big ego on the face, I think, of the government on this one.
0: Well, again, I think this is definitely one of these wait-and-see stories, that's for sure. This one will drag out some time.
1: And he seems to be playing it incredibly well in the media yeah. as well. Oh, I, I f- he good. You know. he good. He may look a little bit like a doughboy, but he's apparently pretty smart.
0: Oh, yes. Yes. Really? And, and I, the, the song he did as well, you know, it's a little bit political. And I did, we did say this show is apolitical, but you know what, for our outro music, why don't we use the song that he, he, he I think it's called, what's it called, Amnesia, I think. Yeah, it's called Amnesia. Yes, yeah, why don't we play that? Yeah. He, I, he's offered I, it for download. He's offered it for download, so it's totally legit. Uh, it's,
1: um, it's it's actually a surprisingly good song, and if you followed the New Zealand politics at all,
0: it's hilarious. <laughs> it is. And you know what, regardless of which side of the political spectrum you find yourself, I think you can appreciate the humour, so... We'll, yeah, we'll, I mean,
1: we'll, I think it's pretty safe to say this would have happened regardless of who was in there.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah, totally, totally, uh, yeah, exactly. At the end of the, the show, we'll, we'll go on, on that. But in, anyway, moving on, uh, just to get uh, a little closer to that end of the show, an interesting study in the US has revealed that enhanced eBooks are not necessarily good for children in the sense that it detracts from the core message, the core literature. Mm, that is very interesting. Mm. Now, I did do have to point out, and I have to emphasize, it is enhanced ebooks we're talking about, not standard ebooks. So enhanced ebooks where you can click on something and you see something change or an animation happens and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, it was that was a really interesting article because even though that distinction was made, it wasn't really forced down your throat, really. They sort of they made the distinction between books and ebooks, but they didn't really go into the difference between the enhanced ebooks versus ebooks, even though the overall conclusion was that a normal ebook would not have the same impact
0: yeah well uh, they didn't actually cover e ebooks themselves so we we can't even conclude that really, but well, I
1: think they kind of, it's yeah they kind of said it without maybe saying it or yeah because I agree I don't think a a normal ebook that all you can essentially do is turn the page does have this effect
0: well, you wouldn't expect it to do put it that way. But yeah. certainly, certainly with the uh, enhanced ebooks and I, I guess it's some people would say well that's common sense but of course until you do a study you know it, you, you really don't know I mean there are a lot of things that, where people's common sense if you like has been completely reversed because uh, you know as a result of a study so this really has confirmed anyway that all these little enhanced bells and whistles in the enhanced ebook can actually detract from you know the actual message that that's coming across on the other hand they do say it does actually help in other ways, it helps in other, you know, sort of uh, physical skills and exploratory skills. And that's all fine. But if, if the purpose of what you're trying to do, why, why you're providing your child with this ebook, book if, if the purpose for that is to improve their literacy and their, re- you know, their reading and writing skills and their, and their vocabulary, then an enhanced ebook book really isn't the best choice.
1: I think it's moderations really everything isn't it like they really need that the the one on one time with an adult reading a story to them and interacting with them they probably do need a little bit of that you know that visual interaction they get from a dynamic book or and um, they probably need their own time to be flicking through a book and a combination of all of those and if a child is not has some kind of barrier to reading, like they just they don't have the attention or they're not getting into it or for whatever reason, then as they've said in that article, the article, these advanced ebooks are a great way of drawing them in. And if you're sensible, you can try and balance that with a bit of moderation. Get them into the idea of the ebook and then move them over to a more, you know, an uninteractive one and try and get them in, you know, into the actual story themselves.
0: Sounds like common sense to me. I'll, yes. I'll, I'll take your advice.
1: You do that. Come to Uncle Ben. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. Now Microsoft is closer to releasing its Xbox Music Service. Thirty million tracks will be offered. This is Microsoft's answer, I guess, to the iTunes. And well, it's more than that too, because they're not only offering uh, a sort of a, a you know a, a music store. We can purchase individual tracks. They're also offering a subscription service as well. So you can choose. If you prefer the iTunes model, you go for that. If you prefer the. What was the other one we covered just recently? Spotify. Was it Spotify? Thank Spotify, you. Spotify, yeah. So I just just, no. That's it. And if you prefer that sort of model, then that's also available. This thing sounds promising. Uh,
1: no? You reckon? You reckon? <laughs> no, because it's um,
0: Microsoft. Is that why?
1: Well, I mean, it's like, okay, so, so they're just about to release Xbox music. What about what about Zoom? What what happened to Zoom?
0: Well yeah, uh, yeah, good point. I know. They don't exactly have the best track record. Yeah, what happened to
1: absolutely any product that they've released as competition to another product? Didn't we talk about this a couple of weeks ago oh. with uh with them trying to launch social media? Was it Microsoft? Oh, yeah, or I think it was them,
0: wasn't it? It's like they're just they're trying to compete
1: it's like, oh, somebody's somebody's got a bit of pie. Where's our pie? Why haven't we got a bit of pie? It's like, well, we made a pie. It didn't taste very good. Oh, let's try making another pie. It's like, it's not going to taste very good.
0: Yeah, you do have a point. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's kind of exactly how it's been going down at Microsofts. But, you know, I think I, I get the feeling anyway that more recently Microsoft get social media and get the, the New Age and the Web 2.0 thing and the the digital hub. They get that now. And I think... At the beginning, they didn't really get it. So, to cut a long story short, I think this could certainly stand a chance. I, I really do. I really do think that it's the new Microsoft.
1: Yeah, but it's it's like you're trying to move a behemoth. Like it just, if they're wanting to do this sort of thing, they should really try and diversify and have a create an arm that does this and does it properly, distinguish it from you know take some of that Microsoft brand off it and try and run it as a legitimate entity.
0: I agree with the the Microsoft brand. And I do wonder, though, just on that very note, I do – excuse the pun there. I do wonder whether the fact that the branding of Xbox is part of that is to answer that because Xbox is hugely successful. It's one of the few things that is actually hugely successful from Microsoft recently or relatively recently. And, you know, in the gaming market, Xbox is huge. I mean, sure, it polarizes people. There are some diehard PlayStation fans that would never touch the thing. But then there are Xbox fans that really wouldn't think about getting a, a PlayStation. So I wonder whether they've chosen the, the name Xbox Music because Xbox itself is a successful brand for Microsoft.
1: Yeah, maybe. Because, you know, but. if they
0: called it Microsoft Music, I mean, you know, that would be so boring.
1: Yeah, and would be like, oh, what unattract- I wonder how much that costs to listen to.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. With the new Microsoft Music Licensing System. Yeah, you just <laughs> yeah. pay it. It's only one cent per every time you listen to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, little before you know it, your monthly bill is $400.
1: Yeah, and yeah. the music may or may not be there. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you might need to reboot. Yeah. Oh, man. Restart Turn the, the cloud, cloud off and on again. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. No, but really, you know, jokes aside, I think this, put it this way, whether it succeeds or not is, I, I couldn't tell you, but I think that it's got what it takes to succeed. It's got a, you know, a chance of succeeding at least uh, because I think it's a new Microsoft and I think with the branding of Xbox, perhaps that's also part of it. You know, let's see, and don't forget they're not look. The old Microsoft would make it only available on Microsoft devices. Here, according well, according to Gartner, this is not official. <laughs> yeah, but it, I am not, saying, <laughs> you. not but, saying that though. <laughs> I know Microsoft's not saying, but according to Gartner, this is likely to be available on iOS and Android as well.
1: Well, you'd be crazy not to, though, wouldn't you?
0: Well, that is that that is true, Ben. That is very true. I mean, together, the, what that's eighty percent of your. Your smartphone market, I believe.
1: And they're the people that are ingrained to this kind of system. Yeah, like, yeah you're like, right. The iTunes model, those people love it. So
0: so you could argue, are they doing this out of the goodness of their heart or are they doing it out of necessity? And it's probably really the latter, I, I agree. But the fact is they're doing it. And, and to me, this all builds the picture of, hey, this could succeed.
1: I mean, if it does, it's great. I mean, anything that makes music, you know, legitimate music, more viable and hopefully, you know, brings royalties back to the people that deserve it, it's it's good. It's all good.
0: Yeah, because the other thing that's often overlooked, and iTunes is definitely one of these services where independent artists can sell directly.
1: Yeah, you got to be careful with iTunes though, because the pricing model is not that attractive to a small artist. I mean, you hear stories of tracks selling for ninety-nine cents and the artist earning seven cents for that track, and uh, and iTunes just got pinged for doing price fixing on eBooks, where they'd go to a publisher and say the only way we're going to stock your eBook is if you give us a thirty percent cut on the price that you sell to other people, and. Because it's such a massive player in the market, people just have to do it. So, um, you know, yeah, it
0: goes back to that uh, cinema analogy. mm, You know, with the with the ratings that you were talking about before. I mean, you you don't have to
1: sell it on our website, but it's not much
0: of a choice, is it?
1: Yeah, if you really want to get it out there. Um, I mean, there are plenty of alternatives. There's Bandcamp. There's um, there's payloads, which is another system that sort of seems to be much more attractive for the smaller people. Is Um,
0: LastFM one of those? Do they actually sell music or? I don't are they just a music discovery? think service? they
1: sell you access to music. So I'm sure the the artists are signing up or the their their labels are signing up and hopefully that money is getting back to the people, but I don't believe they actually sell you a track. But I don't know, I could be wrong.
0: A lot of people have predicted that, you know, in the next five to ten years, the music companies are likely to really not exist or at least certainly not in the capacity that they do now.
1: Well, it's not a really sustainable model, Um And it's, yeah, I mean, the music industry changes a lot. I mean, if you look back in the 60s, an artist would release an album in the States and potentially what you had is people in other markets going there, getting their album, going back to their country, recording that song locally with a local artist and releasing that on the market. And you had potentially, you know, four different artists singing the same song with the song in the whatever was the charts at the time and the music industry has changed a lot in 50 60 years and it's going to carry on changing. I mean they keep saying it's dead but it's people are always going to want music. It's never going to die. It's just going to change.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think the big thing now of course was is that unlike back in the 80s and 90s where you you kind of needed these distribution channels because you had physical Items having to be shipped around around the world. In fact, I was just not just around the country, but around the world into into distribution points and then resellers. But now, of course, with you know digital distribution, I mean, I, I think I don't think music companies will disappear totally. But I, I think your sort of bread and butter, most of your stuff, I, I think in five to ten years will be direct to consumer. I think
1: what we'll find is that the music companies become cherry pickers. You know, the the overall market will exist as a general market. People will be making things, making their names known in their own little circles. A group will turn up that is particularly good, and they'll make it through to these bigger corporations and bigger companies that start to give, instead of you know, trying out everyone. They don't need to try everyone out because everyone's trying themselves out. And they can just go in and say, these people are popular, these people are popular, and offer those people contracts. And the contracts will be better because they're not going to be making, you know, hopefully not forcing people to make bad albums because they can choose an artist that has already proven themselves. Yeah, it's, It'll that, be a better model.
0: That, that is it. Actually, what you touched on just there is actually really important. The, the, one of the advantages that a... A big multi-million or multi-billion dollar industry, like the music industry, is is that they can offer really good contracts in the sense that they can give an artist some millions of dollars to produce an album, as an advancement. Sure, a lot of you know that often has to be paid back, right, uh, through through the sales. But the point is they can actually do that. Whereas when you're doing direct to direct to consumer, like all you know via a distribution point, say like iTunes or some of the others that you mentioned. You really don't have, you know, the artist doesn't have that. They're kind of on the, on the back foot. So that, that is one of the big advantages. You know, Warner can, can give some artist a couple of million dollars to come up with an album.
1: But what we've also seen is, you know, everyone's everyone's producer daughter has an album out there because the technology, if they spend $2 million, they can make, you know, a rat's fart sound like a number one record.
0: <laughs> a lot of them <laughs> do sound like that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: So this could also filter out some of those people. Like yeah, well, The people brilliant. that make it through will actually have talent. I mean, you know, those rat farts are always going to make it through, but...
0: <laughs> oh, no. Uh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice choice of words I like it alright that's the anyway that was the Xbox music service from Microsoft of course it morphed into a general spiel about the music <laughs> industry but that's okay that's that's fine we would have been talking about that a lot longer if Brett was here yeah I'm filling yeah. in as, for Brett as yeah, I can see you're, you're doing not a bad job there at all yeah not thank a, you not bad at all
1: you know exactly the Diablo 3 is awesome
0: oh. oh yes now you're sounding very much like him <laughs> okay now last story for the international section LinkedIn. Need I say anything more? More like hackton.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a good
0: one. Yeah, eight million passwords leaked, and that's not all of them. I actually went to the to the uh, hacker forum where they released these. I downloaded the the one point five million list of MD five pass. Uh, sorry, SHA are they MD five or SHA? Well, they said SHA one. SHA one. They are SHA one. Yeah, that's right. Sorry, I downloaded the list. There were two lists uh, or two main lists. There was a, a list of six point five million. I downloaded the uh, the other list that was posted at 1.5 million. I couldn't find the 6.5 million one because actually what happened is that the forum has deleted all the posts. And I had to go to Google Cache. And even that has been, a lot of that has gone. So uh, I did manage to track down the 1.5 million list. I had a look in there, see if mine was in there. It wasn't. But that doesn't mean it hasn't been hacked because people suspect that this is just a very small portion of the big list, uh, you know, of the, the whole LinkedIn database and that the majority was already hacked by the hacker and these were the more difficult ones.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Like you kind of, like as they narrow it down, you kind of wonder if, um, is there a top 10 passwords that they, you know, really can't hack? And if you have one of those top 10 passwords, does your password become, you know, you've created this password that's uncrackable As soon as it's cracked, does it then become a password that everyone talks about as the uncrackable password?
0: Well, yeah. And then you definitely want to change that. Yeah. Because then it's even more talked about.
1: Yeah. It's so famous that you could never use it.
0: Well, the thing is, uh, you know, a lot of the the list, the uh, passwords in the list of 1.5 million, within, you know, within about a day, I think they'd whittled it down to only, you know, about a few tens of thousands left. Well, I bet
1: you of of that six million, the first million were probably Aaron Cat, Ben Cat, Carl Cat, uh, Daniel Cat, and just variations of people's pet name. And yeah, I mean, how many passwords of friends do you know? Like the friends that you do tech support for.
0: Well, actually, I I don't. Really? Oh yeah, man, do, I know do I know
1: I know dozens. Oh really? Because you go to people and it's like, oh, what's your password? Oh, I don't know. So oh, okay, well, I know what it is. <laughs> people don't <laughs> people don't remember. I mean. Really. Well, yeah, I'm a sysadmin, so I've got a bit of a memory for passwords, but it's wow. yeah, people okay. don't remember them. Mm. That's it? why I deliberately do not look at people's passwords.
0: I I like there's an interesting one on the uh, there's an article about this particular story on Ars Technica, and they published some of the list. And the one they've shown one where the password is this is not secure. Yeah, it's awesome. Eh? <laughs> it's like yeah, no kidding. That's possibly one that I've used in the past as well. <laughs> and the sha, SHA one hash for that is seven E three seven nine etc. I won't read out the whole thing.
1: I wonder if anyone's like maybe that guy's going to change his password to the cha, the SHA number.
0: Oh, that the actual be, password itself. Yeah, to the sha, yeah, that and would then be good. SHA there,
1: <laughs> get all meta on it.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Multiple layers of of, uh, of hashing. Hmm. Yeah. Well, anyway, uh, this is the, I did you are you on LinkedIn, Ben? Yes. So did you get an email from them?
1: Uh, I think so. Yeah,
0: did you did you read it? Did you follow uh, the
1: instructions? Oh, I changed my password. I can't remember if I followed. Any yeah, instructions. yeah.
0: Because what they what they've done now. First of all, what I should point out is that they're using unsalted passwords.
1: Yeah. So
0: that's bad practice for a start. Uh, bad, 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 LinkedIn. So a few points off for that. But really, in terms of given what has happened, you know, I give them a few points for for, for the way they. They dealt with it. They emailed all the users and they told them whether or not they, you know, each individual person received an email saying whether or not their password is likely to have been cracked. Mm. Um, but regardless of that, they state that you should change your password. They give instructions on how to do that. And in fact, they also disable your password anyway so that you have to go through this special process of going to a special link that's in the email. It gives you a uh, an email back with a link to, a, to create a temporary password from which you can then choose your own. So, Hmm. So they've done that really well, and they're now using salted passwords, just like that. That yep. made them change I mean, pretty quickly, didn't
1: it? The worst thing they could have done is, you know, tried to deny it or hide it, or this or, was the best or, or, approach. Or play it be, down, play it yeah, down yeah, is the other one yeah, that people yeah. do. Yeah, be upfront, be serious, fix the problem. They've they've probably come out of this looking good, even though they've been well, hacked. I suppose. Yeah, yeah. No,
0: you. I think you're, you've summed it up well. Actually, that's exactly.
1: So you kind of assume that somebody got access to the database to get the passwords to then
0: decrypt them. Yeah, now, you know, if it's an outside job, that really doesn't paint LinkedIn in, in too, too uh, good a light, if you like, at least for, for that, for the initial yeah. part. But, you How know, who, they... who's to say it wasn't an inside job either? Yeah, it's an interesting
1: one. Um,
0: I, I don't do... think it is, personally. I, I think it wasn't. I I, I hit my gut feeling tells me. I don't know. How accurate that is, but I, I think it's an outside job. I mean,
1: so then how did they get that original dump of the passwords?
0: Well, I mean, there's lots of ways, aren't there? I mean, there's lots. But there of, are, there,
1: yeah, but there shouldn't be.
0: Yeah, I know. Yes, you're right. Yeah, there shouldn't be, but yeah. Anyway, actually, speaking of of these sort of data leaks, uh, not long ago, a few weeks ago, I won't disclose the government agency on the show who it was, but I discovered that on the website of a, a New Zealand government agency, I was able to extract. Names and addresses based on a sequential identification. So I could, and then I created a script to sequentially loop through just to prove my point just a little bit. And I, I stopped it after, a, I don't know, about 50 or 60 or so. And sure enough, there were all the contact details of, of people. I went to the website, and looked at the, the corporate team, and I contacted uh, someone fairly high up in there. I forget the position, it was someone uh, just above the CIO, in fact. And yeah. I got a really, really good response. In fact, I was blown away. The fact that it was a government organization and they responded so well, honestly, I was blown away. I got a, uh, that was, this is about, I think, 11 o'clock at night one day. The following morning at about 7.30, I get an email back thanking me for the information and they detailed exactly what they're going to do about it. And they also promised me a phone call to, uh, to discuss it. And sure enough, later that day, I got a phone call. Stating what the CIO and the chief auditor have done, and in fact, I went back. I, because I, you know, I'm forever skeptical when, when people say, Yeah, no, we fixed that. So I went straight, yeah. straight off the phone call, I went right back to the computer, tried it. Sure enough, no more information.
1: Well, that's good, yeah, that's really good.
0: Mm. I was honestly blown away because you know, often the wheels turn very slowly at government departments, and there's a perceived lack of accountability when it's the government, believe it or not, because it's the government, you know, does it really matter? That's kind of the attitude often, mm. you know, whereas I was really blown away. It was absolutely amazing. And they, they just fixed the whole thing. And we had a good, uh, good, good phone call about because I explained how I did it and, and what I discovered and how it even crossed my mind as to how this vulnerability could exist.
1: Yeah, some things kind of seem obvious to us, though, that maybe don't to other people.
0: Well, that's the thing because, you know, you, myself, and probably a bunch of listeners on this very show, that these are the types that we are the type of people that kind of think that way. But as you say, not everyone does. No. So anyway, the reason I brought that up is just about the whole response thing. You know, I've got a really good uh, impression of this government department in the sense that, okay, it wasn't so good that they that they had this information leak in the first place, or at least the, the potential for this to be leaked. There's no evidence, by the way, that that was actually exploited, you know, what I discovered. But, you know... The way someone responds. Look to quote Elvie Martin's, which is a local local store. (laughs) That's what i was thinking as well. Yeah, it's the pudding, right? That counts, and it really is, isn't it?
1: Yeah, because I mean, any anyone can, everyone makes mistakes. Anyone can make mistakes. Yeah, and um, it takes, you know, the a lot of the time, the reaction to oh, you made a mistake is oh, no, I didn't. You were wrong. Get all defensive. But you know, the sensible approach is oh. Yeah, I did. Okay, oh, well, let me fix it. and That's, that's right. Yeah. That's good to hear that people are, you know, that's the new approach. Yeah. And the perception of, um, the perception is almost more important as anything else. So. Uh,
0: you're right. But yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely right. And, you know, in the example that I, where I discovered, you know, this government agency, they obviously had to scramble it because I, I know... The, a little bit about the organisation. Well, not the organisation itself, but I know the size of the organisation and the size of the information technology team there. They would have had to scramble some people pretty quick, smart to actually say, "Hey, you guys, stop work. You got guys, you, you got to come with me and fix this." Mm. So, and that, that's impressive that that happened. Because I don't know, uh, there are organisations that I've worked at that I I can't really see that happening. It'll be more like, "Oh, this has happened. Hmm, maybe uh, our, our, something to think about next week or next month is getting onto this thing." That's mind gonna, you, I mean, <laughs> how, you've,
1: you've worked on systems that, you know, you you identify a problem, you fix the problem, you put it out into a QA environment, you test it, you make sure that it works properly and then you deploy it live. You do wonder if maybe they had a fix already, you know, available when they're just waiting for an opportunity to apply it because it does sound like it was out there very quick. And yeah, you wonder how well it was well, tested. Well,
0: that, that is true. That is true. And uh, having said that, I must say that the um I long suspected this Security flaw that I discovered, but and, and I'd sometimes I'd go back and check. Oh, I wonder if it's giving away information because it's supposed to give away a little bit of information, but no user identifiable information. Yeah, so I think the last time I checked it was only about two weeks prior. So this thing had only been out in the wild two weeks,
1: yeah. Okay, so, 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 so they, they could yeah. have easily
0: have rolled back. So I think what you said is is quite like you know, that they, they could have just rolled back any earlier code release.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, a big part of my role is making sure that what gets deployed is something that's working properly and um, and I'm always a stipler for, you know, has it been tested? Do you know How big of a change was this and is it going to impact other things and how well has this been
0: tested? Yeah, something you don't want to uh, go light on, definitely not.
1: No, you don't want to, you know, create a bigger problem to fix a smaller one. <laughs> no,
0: exactly, yeah, exactly. Okay, well, that's the international stories, but don't go away because right after the break, we'll look at Telstra in Australia considering... Selling New Zealand's Telstra Clear. They go away! All right, welcome back. Now Telstra in Australia is considering selling Telstra Clear. Guess who to? Any prizes for guessing? I'll give you a clue. It's not Telecom.
1: Oh, not Telecom.
0: Um, LB Martin's. <laughs> <laughs> it's the pudding right that counts. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, no, no, it's Vodafone. So yeah. this will be interesting if it goes ahead because Telstra Clear have a, a, a sizable chunk of the, the broadband market, the fixed line broadband market. Vodafone, of course, has a very healthy chunk. I think it's the largest mobile operator in New Zealand mm. with, I think, 47, 48% of the market, of the mobile yeah, market.
1: Being a bit cagey around that one, aren't they?
0: Well, they don't give away the, the revenue market share, but certainly in terms of subscriber numbers, that's always been public and, and is always very clear. And that's around 48%. So they are the biggest in terms of subscriber numbers. Mm. So having them you know, having them own Telstra Clear's assets, the, the fixed line broadband stuff, that puts them in a really good position to, to compete with telecom.
1: Well, do you know who else Vodafone bought a few years ago?
0: No, tell me. hug. That's right. They did too, didn't they? Of course, I knew mm. that. Yes, that's right. And
1: how well's iHug doing?
0: Well, I don't know. You tell me.
1: I don't believe they're doing particularly well.
0: I don't think they're doing as well as they used to, right? No, I don't
1: think their service has improved. I don't think. I don't think it's been a particularly positive experience for them. I mean, I have no knowledge, but I haven't heard anything from iHug for quite a few years, and you know, I used to be a customer.
0: Every time I hear iHug, I think back to the, the days in the mid '90s where I used to spend a lot of time on. IRC now for a lot of now you'll know what that is, Ben, but yeah. uh, so some of our newer listeners may f- may not realise that IRC is Internet Relay Chat, a live chat system. And I I remember <laughs> I remember the time when one of the sysadmins from IHAG was was having a few drinks and kind of uh, divulged the root password over <laughs> IRC. <laughs> mm, awesome, yeah. They changed it not long after, of course. But anyway, so you know, you're right. IHAG is. Uh, is probably not doing as well as it, it, it used to. Kind of so, what does it mean? Well, yeah, it did kind of disappear, didn't it? And because yeah, is- they were bought, they were bought for their
1: basically for their internet infrastructure. So they were bought to bump up. Basically, Vodafone's—you um, know—it was a sort of the introduction of really sort of three D, three uh, G, and and bringing a lot more internet onto people's phones. So that's what they were bought for. And this, you know, they're talking about it already very openly. This is for the four G f- um, frequencies. So I do wonder if, and they've even said that Vodafone aren't really interested in the rest of the business. They just want—they just want those frequencies. So I don't think it would be a particularly good thing for Telstra Clear and as a Telstra clear customer I don't think I'd want to see that happen.
0: So yeah, the the, the part of it is as you said for the for the uh, mobile frequencies but also they uh, you know they've got uh, what was the percentage now I forget they had I oh, think, 16% of the home broadband market which is yeah. not insignificant.
1: I'd say they have a larger percentage in Wellington and Christchurch where they offer cable. Oh yeah, I think they do. Um, yeah, exactly. Because I mean, cable internet is the you know as, as it is, as it stands right now, I believe it's the best internet you can get. In yes, yes,
0: it is. And you know what? I've got cable. Unfortunately, the bad news for me is I'm moving house soon, and in the area I'm moving to, they don't do cable. Unfortunately. Yeah, would, that does suck, because yeah, I'm thinking does. about
1: going to the 100 megabit connection.
0: Oh, look, I don't, I'm don't. i I'm not listening. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, how I'm cool jealous. is that, having a 100 megabit into your house?
0: Oh, that'd be awesome.
1: Yeah. That'd be really
0: good. I See, I'm going the other way. I've got, uh, I can't remember what I've got now, but it's uh, 10 megabit, I think, or 8?
1: Uh, it could be 15. You're on cable oh, now. Oh, 15, 15. Yeah, yeah Kate, that's yeah. right.
0: They bumped them up to It used to be 4, and it's now 15, and yeah. I'll be going backwards to... DSL, unfortunately.
1: Oh, but you'll have a burst speed of you know up to thirty megabytes. Oh yeah, all uh, for
0: half a second every yeah, hour. Yeah, <laughs> at,
1: at at quarter past three in the morning. Yeah, that's exactly, get, exactly. Those stats. Six o'clock at night, you might get a hundred and fifty-eight k, maybe two hundred k.
0: Yeah, exactly, and that's the problem with the DSL. Of course, it's just you know up and down like like a yo-yo. Whereas cable, you you get a very very good run. Right yes. way through. Mm. So anyway, let's see what happens. in the, well, this hasn't happened yet, by the way, and it's not necessarily going to happen. This is just Telstra considering selling Telstra Clear to Vodafone.
1: You assume if it's in the rumor, you know, if it's in the rumor mill, something, you know, it's, it's something's happening. They're they're talking about they're it. They're at least
0: at, talking. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but, and you, you do know, wonder
1: how far along that is.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think I, I don't know. I, I'm kind of not sure how I feel about the whole thing. I mean, we already kind of have a duopoly in the mobile market. It's Vodafone and Telecom. In the you know, fixed line, it's DelstriClear and Telecom. So this is just going to reinforce the fact that we have a duopoly, really, if this happens.
1: Well, I mean, but it think- really it would create a bit of a behemoth. They'd be bigger than Telecom, wouldn't they?
0: As far no, as a player would they, do in the you think?
1: yeah, because I think telecoms fixed line market is reducing. People, there's less and less need for people to have fixed lines, so it's reducing in that area. I mean, extra is the pile of rubbish that it is.
0: Um, and <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, let's not let's say it like it is, here. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, and the um, you know, and their mobile, the telecom mobile, you know, as as. This article was trying to imply um Vodafone has forty percent market share forty seven percent market 47. share by no. pers- by um subscription rates, but they've had a bit of a um dumping of their lower end customers over to two degrees, so of that forty seven percent they probably are the sixty percent of the actual revenue that they talk about, even though no one will say that
0: yeah but look uh, i I suspect that telecom have a a, a clear number clearly number one in in uh, why in fixed line broadband and DSL? That's yes, I, I would guess yeah, they are. and
1: they're going to maintain that with the UFB because they basically got a monopoly on that. Well, that is well. true,
0: yeah.
1: But you know, this is this is certainly going to be big competition. I mean, it turns you know two big companies into one very big company. That's right. I mean, exactly. they'd probably be bigger than New, than Telecom in New Zealand. I would have thought like
0: those two together. Oh, the actual like uh, the head of Vodafone and the head of Telstra. If they formed a company,
1: I would have thought that company would be bigger than
0: Telecom. Yeah, but I suspect it would only be the New Zealand arms that are merging, I think, or being sold. It's Telstra Clear New Zealand being sold to Vodafone yeah, yeah. New Zealand.
1: But even that, I mean, Telstra New Zealand and Vodafone New Zealand merging into a single... Oh, do you think they'd be Tel- bigger
0: than Telecom? No,
1: surely not. I reckon they would be. Yeah, no, I,
0: I think they'd be miles from it. You reckon? I don't know. I
1: mean, telly, what is telecom these days? It's so hard to tell with with chorus and. Oh ex-
0: yeah, I know, and and the the whole splitting of the company. I, I do get—I must admit—I haven't followed this as closely as I probably should have. So, I, I get—I've—I I've, I do get lost with the whole telecom thing now. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, uh, let's again see what happens in in, in this case. I, I don't know whether it's going to mean much for consumers. It's hard to say, really. Either way. Yeah, it is very hard. Because yeah. you can you can argue both ways. You can say, well, it's going to really just reinforce a duopoly, which we kind of already have, as I said, in the different markets. So therefore, things won't be so good for the consumers. But on the other hand, you could also argue that, well, they're really going to have to work hard or keep working at competing with telecom, because if they don't, they'll just end up getting pushed out of the market. So yeah. for that reason, you could say, well, it would probably work well for consumers. So I, I think if if it even happens it's uh, it's just too hard to call
1: if it does happen my prediction would be that for telstra for any customers that have got mobiles through telstra that would be a big improvement and for anyone getting internet through vodafone it would be a big improvement but the flip side would be your oh, internet service yeah. with, tele- with telstra would probably be reduced yeah. and but probably Possibly. wouldn't make any difference to the vodafone market so it's probably went you know, out of four possible groups there's probably wins for three of them and I'd be in the one that would probably lose.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, with your, your just with the Telstra clear, y- yeah, Telstra, yeah. Your clear cable. Mm.
1: Yeah, but hey, who knows? Who yeah, knows?
0: who knows? Let, let, let's see, and let's as I said, let's see if it even happens. All right, yeah. Ben, that is the show. That is episode one hundred and seventy. And you know what? You are sounding so good on that live chat, Alex three thousand headset. Yes, yeah, a big improvement. There's <laughs> a plug there. If anyone wants to get a, get a good headset, uh, I'd, I'd recommend that based on just what I'm hearing now.
1: A cheap headset. Let's go with that.
0: Yeah, actually, you did say it is just a, a cheap... But yeah, this is the thing that blows me away. For a cheap headset, it sounds really good. Yeah. I've heard cheap headsets sound like cheap headsets, and this one doesn't.
1: Well, you made the call a while ago, and that's that I needed to get a USB one. And I'm I mean, going to have to agree that digital sound is the way to go for clarity.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. Like I said, it just sounds like you are in the studio with me right now. All right, anyway, as I said, that does wrap up episode 170. Ben, thank you very much for co-hosting the show with me.
1: Well, oh, thanks, Ed. It was a pleasure.
0: No problem. It's my pleasure. And that was another episode of New Zealand's Longest Running Tech Podcast. Thank you, everyone. See you again next week. Goodbye. Full disclosure. Nothing to fear, nothing to hide.
2: Nothing to fear, nothing to hide. Nothing to fear, nothing to hide. Mr. Banks, can't can't remember John Banks. I can't recall. Mr. Banks, can't can't remember John Banks. I can't recall. Mr. Banks, did you know he was giving you the money? I don't... Mr. Banks, did he mention 50,000? Why don't you... Mr. Banks, were you there when they started writing a (laughs) cheque? Mr. Banks, did you ask it to be two cheques because you could make it anonymous? Anonymous. Anonymous.
0: Nothing to fear. Nothing to hide. He's the majority, so he's all right.
2: He is John Banks. He got the vote. And that's why he, he... him a flow on his cabbage. Ball? That politician got that politician got that politician got amnesia again. That politician got, that politician got that politician got that politician got amnesia again. Amnesia, 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 amnesia again. I don't know who gave me money. I can't remember now. Why not? Final. You did me not you. I don't know who gave me money. I can't remember now. Final. Final. You did me not you. So it wasn't anonymous. No, no. I don't, I don't know. I can't recall. I don't know who gave me money. I can't remember now. Final. You dead mate, aren't you, Mr. Banks? That politician got that politician got that politician got amnesia again. That politician got that politician got that politician got amnesia again. Amnesia. 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 Amnesia again. You stand yourself down over the dot com affair.
0: What are you talking about? This is a fence. Mm-hmm. He's a married man. Mr. Banks said him.com had been a good friend and had paid for a very large donation. Nothing to fear. Nothing too high. He's the majority, so he's alright. He is John Banks. He got the vote, and that's why he
2: keeps him afloat on his cabbage bowl. That politician got that politician got that politician got amnesia again That politician got that politician got that politician got amnesia again That politician got that politician got that politician got amnesia again That politician got that politician got that politician got amnesia again Amnesia, amnesia, amnesia again, amnesia again, amnesia, amnesia, amnesia again, amnesia again.
0: study oh sorry and a US study on ebooks and how children are affected no I'll just go back a step and a US, and a US study on enhanced ebooks on the <laughs> do you want a hand no, I think I need a hand on this one hang on one more time It was a great show. Really enjoyed this one. Okay, let's. No, how do I normally wrap up? I don't know. Um, uh, no problem. That's it's my pleasure. Thank you very much. And no, what do I normally say? I don't know. What do you yeah, normally say? Off. Okay, let, let yeah. me just do the do the sign off. Okay, here we go. So you said thank you. No problem. It's my pleasure. Any, um, no, it didn't come to me. <laughs> The show that never ends. The show that never ends. Yeah. I've got to mute
1: myself in case I start laughing. Yeah, okay.
0: Okay.